Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. This is Minute 79. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and joining me today is my introspective, delightfully witty, and Scottish guest co-host, Dave Brown. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Duncan. (laughs) I will try and be as introspective as possible. (laughs) What's, um, tell us, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Mr. Brown? Uh, well, I think we know each other from our, my past life as a games developer and That's artist. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after doing some gamesy stuff for many years, I moved into web development because it seemed like the cool place to be. Mm-hmm. And games development had turned into a sort of slavery. Yeah. Which... <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I, I found a different slavery to be yeah. part of. Um and I've been doing that for ages. And now I work at a small company that helps larger companies find employees. Nice. Uh, by making enticing websites for them. Excellent. Do you, uh, do you, do you offhand, do you remember the first time uh, when people first joined, first joined me here? I like to know, like, do you remember the first time that you saw Tron? Um, no, I don't remember. <laughs> I yeah. think it was probably when it came out. But... What's the, do you remember, do you see it, did you, do you remember seeing it in the theaters? No, what I remember is the, actually the game. Yeah. Our, yeah, because we have a gallery in the little village where I grew up and there was a traveling fair would come and they, that was the only time I ever saw video games was when the fair came every year and they had the Tron game. Oh, fantastic. So, so I would play that, and then uh, I assume I'd seen the film before then, but I don't really remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's rare to get someone on here who actually saw it or remembers seeing it in the theaters at the time, because a lot of yeah, a, a lot yeah, of folks they they watch it. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, go sorry. Ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to think because well, eighty was eighty two. Yeah. I'd, think my mum would have been taking us to the cinema to see films then and I'm not sure that Tron would have been on her radar so oh sure it's possible yeah, yeah I didn't see it at the time yeah all right well what do we got here so what happens in this minute the trap is sprung the solar sailor is demolished in the maw of Sark's cruiser Flynn and Yori are thrown into computer jail with Dumont and Sark is aghast to find out that Flynn is still kicking. So the Solar Sailor moves out into the path of Sark's continent-sized cruiser. The music is still pounding. Uh, in the in the creator's commentary, they say that this scene here was the hardest to do because of all the editing and camera motion and animation of like the collision, and then the Solar Sailor breaks in half, and then it goes into the mouth of the of the cruiser, and it was also the final sequence to be rendered. So I imagine they could all sort of, you know, heave a sigh of relief once it was in the can, and then they could just, you know, piece it together. And But that was, uh, yeah, it's it's fresh in their minds because this was the final sequence to be to be rendered. So I can imagine that oh. was, uh, was something that they were all waiting patiently for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then just hand it to the editor. Yeah. Yeah. So we got uh, Tron up on the on the bow of the sailor uh, stair. That's the bow, right? It's the bow in the stern. The bow's at the front, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's that's the Titanic end. Yeah, that's right. 
Uh, and then he's up at the bow and he stares up in horror at the cruiser and shouts, Sark! As it bears down. At first I thought he said shark, but uh, I guess uh, <laughs> Sark, Sark makes more sense. And we get two quick shots of the sailor and the cruiser nearing their collision intersection point. Um, Tron tries to run back to where Yori and Flynn are standing, but the scoop battering ram of Sark's ship bisects the sailor in half. You can see the, the sort of gossamer sails of the solar sailor flash and derez and sparks fly from the breaking point. And you can just see, I didn't notice until watching it uh, in this minute blown up, you can see Tron flail and fall off of the ship behind the, the prow of Sark's cruiser as uh, Yori and Flynn brace themselves in horror watching the destruction but you can see <laughs> Flynn Flynn go like whoa and like uh and fall off and it's something that they mentioned in the in the commentary they're like yeah you can if you look really close you can barely see Tron fall off there which is uh you know I'm like oh that's too bad because they talk about how hard this scene was to do and I didn't find it quite clear what actually happens you know what did you find oh, yeah, about, yeah. you know yeah, no, it's quite um, just quite a lot happens in quite a short space of time. Yeah, and then it's another. There's about fourteen times in the film, I think, where someone's not dead that everyone thinks is dead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is one of the one of the one of the final times that happens, but it's definitely uh, you. It's like, yeah, me again. <laughs> you know, but you just you derezzed. <laughs> no, not me. No, I'm totally fine. <laughs> just a scratch just a scratch uh we get a shot of the the now destroyed solar sailor spinning into the mouth of sark's capture tube or whatever that is on the front of his ship and i don't really know how flynn and yori are hanging on at this point because the solar sailor is like spinning around its own axis there like upside down and all over and so i'm not sure if they're just uh magnetically glued no, to the sailor or something yeah, gravity is quite a tricky thing in the film. Yeah, it seems to just kind of... Also, wind resistance <laughs> seems to be kind of <laughs> a tricky thing in the film, too. Especially in these minutes coming up. I'm like, hmm, you're oh. just, uh, just hanging Yeah, out. I was flicking through some clips earlier on in the, the, in the light cycle yeah. battle, which I suppose is the most famous bit. When yeah. they turn the corners, they, they don't lean, they just turn the corner. Yeah. And then as soon as they escape, they they start leaning into all the turns. So yeah, like, yeah. You didn't have to do that before. Why is it suddenly? And then they're doing skids and stuff. It's quite weird. It's interesting how it changes, right? It's almost like the jet wall that they're leaving behind sort of dictates the motion style of the bike. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. The part of the part of the deal with the jet walls was that they did want they wanted the bikes to lean and they wanted to have them curve. You know, and uh, oh, yeah. and leave and leave trails like that, more like in uh, like in Tron Legacy, you know. But they the the like the power, the computers were like, no, like that's just no. that's that's not something that can be done in 1982. So they the the sort of right angle turns, they were like, oh, this this looks really fake. This looks this doesn't look real. But then they were like, well, let's just go with it. Let's just like lean into it. And have yeah. that have that be an unreal thing, and then and then that uh, ended up becoming really definitive. And uh, but then yeah, yeah, when they when they break free and they're not leaving a trail, then they can sort of tilt them and uh, and do stuff with them. But yeah, oh, yeah, I guess so. It's the trail that was the limiting factor. There. Yeah, right. They couldn't have all these 
round shapes kicking around uh, in the in nah. the on the grid there. So. I wonder if they had them slower before and then they tried, but I guess if you're just going to do a ninety degree turn, you just have to do it as fast as possible and then yeah. it's more like a flip. Yeah, almost like a teleportation yeah, thing or something. It's just yeah. So the music uh, fades to black. Sorry, the the picture fades to black and the music tapers off into silence. And then we uh, we come up on the prison where Dumont is being held. He's standing between two of those giant torture triangles. He's wearing his wise elder robe and swim cap with the chin strap. Then one of the walls disappears, and Flynn and Yori are led in by one of the big heavy guards with the hockey pads and the respirator. Very, uh, I love these costumes, and they're pretty wild. It's interesting seeing, um, like an older person in the grid, though. You <laughs> yeah. know, because it doesn't quite, well, it doesn't quite work, I don't think. Well, the first time you see him is pretty strange as well. He's yeah. that weird tubby backwards facing <laughs> chair thing. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine called it a cyber barnacle. So yeah, <laughs> that was uh, pretty pretty good. Yeah, I guess. Well us he's the one that we most resemble now though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, the two <laughs> of us were like if I'm go if I go into the grid, that's what I'm gonna look like. So there you go. I'll be the weird old sage guy. Oh no. That's real <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's right. Can I speak to my user? No, I don't know. I don't know. Why does everybody keep asking me that? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yori says, uh, oh, what is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the big heavy guards cattle prod flashes red and Flynn puts his hands up like, okay, okay. All the fight seems to have gone out of Flynn at this point. Uh, Yori says, Dumont, and jogs over to him for an embrace. And Dumont responds with a with a warm embrace of his own, and he says, "Yori," like he's pleasantly surprised to see her. I really want to know what their relationship is because they seem like really close. I know they work closely together in the real world on the laser project, uh, Doctor Laura Baines and Doctor Walter Gibbs yeah. there. But um, I'm not sure how their programs interact down here on the grid because there's, there's obviously a lot of history and affection there, and it's nice to see. But I'm like, how did your I don't know, career paths intersect. They never really uh, <laughs> go into it. Like even in the novelization, they talk about all the mutual respect that they have for each other and the past, but they don't really define it. And I'm like, well, who, who, how did, how did, you know, it's like she was a, a coworker or something for like, you know, 20 years, but I don't, I don't really understand it, but it's cool. It's cool that they're, uh, that she's, that she's chummy with them. Cause in the real world, she knows all three of them really well. So I guess it would make sense that, uh, that she sort of, uh, you know, knows at least two of them really well inside the grid, but not really clear on what her program does. But that, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I think she's part of the Solar Sailor Architects. At least she was when she got captured and co-opted by the MCP. But I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I don't know. She seems to have some sort of piloting, a special skill. Yeah, yeah. Just after that, when they're on the the big ship. Yeah, it's like just sort of the controls, and then she's just oh okay, I'll just do this. She's but like, yeah, I mean, uh, she seems like she roams about. Yeah, yeah. I I think one thing I was mentioning before is that when we first meet her, she's been uh, sort of slaved by the by the MCP, so she's not really with it mentally, which is why when oh, we yeah, when she, we yeah. when we first meet her, she's like. 
huh? You know, before, and then like Tron has to like snap her out of it. And then she's like, oh, oh yeah. Hi. Okay. Come this way. But I think we could have used a scene of her doing what she does uh, before she got kidnapped by the MCP or, or see her get kidnapped by the MCP or something because um, it's a, it's a strange. Or even kid- just mention it. Yeah. You could just save. I mean, nearly everyone else in the film, when you meet them, the the first thing they say is, "I'm a actuary program, or I'm a this." Yeah, yeah. So they talk about sort of what they do. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, they so they they come apart for a second, and then they look at each other. And Dumont asks the one word question, "Tron," and uh, Yori responds with, "Tron's dead." And I imagine this is kind of a confirmation of disappointment for Dumont. Like, cause even in like when we first meet Dumont and Tron's like, if I talk to my user, we can change everything. Dumont's like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> he's like, you, when you've seen as many promises as I have, and he goes on that little diatribe about nothing's going to change. And, uh, everybody's got the best of intentions and now Tron's dead. So he's like, well, dang, you know, he's like, Tron got him to dare to believe again, but now it's uh now it's a, a real a real shame. So I don't know. That's too bad for him. But I'm now I was thinking of um uh I keep thinking of movies, other movies in, in Tron in Tron like Tron style. You know, like uh-huh. it's when uh, one of the sort of byproducts of doing a movie by minute podcast like um or a podcast that just focuses on one thing, like a uh, previous guest co-host, Chris Stewart, he does a podcast on Ghostbusters, like a weekly podcast on Ghostbusters. And he's been doing it for, oh, geez, 13 years, something like that. <laughs> like he's part of like the Ghostbusters of BC. Like he's, he's, he's you know, oh. been neck deep in it for a long time. So it's been, well, you know. He'll get the hang of it eventually. Yeah. But it's everything that you see you're like, oh yeah, that actor. You know, he did the voice for one of the ghosts in episode 38 of the Ghostbusters animated series. <laughs> like everything you see just turns into this. This how how does it relate to uh, to, oh, the, yeah. to, to the property you're investigating? And I'm I'm getting that with uh, <laughs> it's starting to happen to me with Tron, where I'm just like, out of nowhere, I'll just be like, well, did you know? And uh, or just you know, people will, will mention an actor and I'll be like, Oh, well actually he was in Tron. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, but <laughs> yeah, the, I remember when you were going to start, you had the, the, I don't know if it was an Instagram post or something, but it was some giant Tron book. Yeah. With hundreds and hundreds of bookmarks in it. That's right. The so. making of Tron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By, uh, by William Calais. I've got that over here. It's a great book. It's really, really well, well researched. A lot mm. of good, uh, good stuff in there. But yeah, I was thinking of like a Pulp Fiction, like what would Tron be, like a Pulp Fiction Tron, because she says Tron's dead, and I was kind of like, whose motorcycle is this? It's not a motorcycle, baby, it's a light cycle. Whose light cycle is this? Tron. Who's Tron? Tron's dead, baby. Tron's dead. <laughs> and then you could have this 80s synth version of uh, Miserloo coming in. That'd be pretty good. But uh, Dumont looks over at Flynn while Yori leans her head against his, and they're both real sad, just dang sad. And but you can really see here. I mean, the beard really destroys the immersion, at least for me. Like uh, something about the hair really shows that this is just people in black and white. You know, it's uh, and the, yeah, cr- yeah. the the creases in the older face. There's something. 
there's something kind of unspoken about programs needing to be uh like young and flawless in their sort of robotic ways like they're like they're manufactured so they've got a they don't they don't need to be young yeah, but, they, yeah. but they need to not have uh, uh wrinkles or not have flaws it, it's it's weird to see somebody looking I don't know, not exactly haggard, but like, you know, weathered, you know? <laughs> yeah, they've had a bit of weird tear. Yeah, it's, uh, it's strange to, to sort of see that in the grid. And that's something you don't yeah, really see a lot of. Yeah, yeah, the rest of them are quite smooth looking people. Yeah. Although I know she's got quite a chin dimple as well. I don't know. It's, oh, <laughs> yeah? I was watching bits with her, it just kept catching my eye. I don't know if it's just the way the light was hitting it. Oh, it might be, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. I haven't noticed it, but now, now I'm sure that once you've pointed it yeah, out, yeah. Uh, you would like, be able oh, to no, see it. I can't unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was thinking that uh, Dumont here, he looks kind of like a like a Muppet version of himself. You know, <laughs> like I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but he looks like uh, you know, like there's something exaggerated about his face with this uh, with this kind of treatment, you know, to it going on, like. I don't know. Like it's made out of gray felt or something. I don't know. We get uh, yeah, Fl- Flynn in the background. He's uh his level of sheepishness at this part of the scene. He looks like a uh, someone who's just crashed their dad's car or something. Yeah, he's really. It's kind of weird. It's a bit of a downer, and he's really yeah. It's a real departure for him. He's really uh, despondent and laconic and indifferent. You know, like we get a uh, we get a shot of Flynn as Dumont asks, "Who's that?" And he looks back with a strange look on his face of self-hatred and disappointment. And Yori says, that is a user, Dumont. And looks at Tron with a look of, like, scorn or disappointment or something. I'm not sure what she's doing here. And she says, uh, he came here to help us. Tron believed in him. And Flynn really takes this like a shot to the to the balls he's really down on himself. And uh, Yori seems to be punching him while he's down. I'm not entirely... <laughs> clear on how all of this is Flynn's fault but uh I'm kind of lost in the in the weeds here going minute by minute like this like he sort of enabled Tron's escape from the light cycle grid but uh I'm kind of I'm not really sure why everybody's like way to go Flynn way to ruin everything (laughs) you killed Tron I'm like well I don't I don't uh well I guess it's just these user status maybe that's it expect a bit more from yeah maybe that's it they're like users are supposed to save us and this adventure has really taken a turn for the worse so thanks for nothing <laughs> and but it's weird because dumont takes the news that he's in the same room with a user like completely in stride you know perhaps bernard hughes was going for some subtlety that isn't quite coming across or maybe dumont <laughs> having interacted with many a user in his professional capacity over the years is more like oh so that's what one looks like instead of uh what like I like it's, he's basically saying like that's you know that's Ares in the corner there that's uh you know that's Zeus right right there in the corner and he's like mm, yes I'm like what well, I think he'd be a little a little a little more freaked out but then he says if the users can no longer help us we're lost and I sort of feel like Flynn should say something like guys I can hear you you know like <laughs> I'm in the room with you right now right but uh. We, uh, but just as the scene starts dragging, we get one of the best entrances in the entire film. Sark busts in, walks confidently in, swaggering, 
with uh, with hardcore, you know, British high society, high spirits and dominance, <laughs> almost a little flamboyity, almost a little flamboyantly, and he shouts, uh, "So we have erased that program," just in like full gloat mode, you know, until he uh, until he sees Flynn and the bottom just drops out of his world. He stares at Flynn, totally dumbstruck. Like Sark just really doesn't catch much of a break in this film ever. <laughs> Every triumphant moment keeps getting the rug pulled out from under it. Like the world is just not doing what he wants it to do. <laughs> like he's such an interesting villain that, in that way. That one's hilarious as well because he's so big when he comes. Oh yeah, the doorway. It's just like what pantomime did you pop in? <laughs> yeah, he's just high stepping. You know, like <laughs> you know, and then uh, yeah, and then he's just like a hundred and eighty to like. <gasps> you like what he's kind of reminds me of uh, uh ben mendelson character in rogue one you know because he's the the he was the i forget his character's name but he was the guy who was like hey lord vader look at this amazing laser i just created <laughs> and tarkin's like actually i created it and you know vader's like good job tarkin and ben mendelson's like what? but oh, but that's God, mine guys. and then he's like well you know I know what I'll do. You know, I'll hide the pl- I'll hide the plans for this on this planet, and then the rebels get it, and then he goes there to intercept the rebels, and then that planet gets blown up. You know, he's just everywhere he goes, every step of the every step of his like his tactics, he just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But you're having the worst day. Like you're the villain. You're like a bad guy, but you're just really having the worst day here. And I I sort of feel like that for Sark too. Like he's a jerk and he's petty and he's mean. But man, every time yeah, it's just yeah, it's just like a kind of middle manager guy. Yeah, suddenly the office is on fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute! Everything's wildly out of control here. You know, he's having a, a bad day. He says, "No, you were derezzed. I saw you." And Tron sort of laconically and sadly quips back, "Not me, Sark." Sark says, "There's nothing special about you." You're just an ordinary program. And Tron comes back hard with like, so are you, one that should have been erased. And I'm like, ouch, that's a zinger. <laughs> but it, it's his, de- it's it's a burn, but it's his delivery here. He's so, I don't care. <laughs> you know, he's so like, <laughs> like somebody could say, we're going to take you away for lashes. And he'd be like, all right. Oh, yeah. I got it coming. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, yeah, not really, not really in it anymore. No, yeah, it's that's like, exactly. Oh, it was a fun game, and now it's no, no, it's all gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think he was having quite the adventure for a while, but now it's like, oh, Tron's dead, you know. And I don't know, but I'm also thinking: Does Sark think that this is Clue? Like, is that what he's talking about? Because I don't think he's seen Flynn since the bikes were derezzed, but I'm not sure he ever got a close look at Flynn. So I'm not sure. Like even when Clue was derez, that was just the MCP talking and not Sark. So I'm not sure if Sark was there at the very beginning of the film. But uh, oh yeah, I never thought about that. Because he's like, I I saw you derez. I'm like, saw you? Mm, did you? Did you see him get derez? I don't ever. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember you seeing anybody get derez or seeing uh, Flynn get derez. But in any case, his reaction is gold. He seems really honestly shaken up at the sight of Flynn, and it's. Uh, <laughs> It's a pretty great contrast with Flynn's current, like, sad, slow, depressive state. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know. 
a bit of a downer. But it's good. I just can't get enough of that entrance, though. Because he just he comes in <laughs> oh, the yes, way he stretches out the so, so. you know, like he's, he's just like one down, two to go. Like he's just uh really, really gloating. And uh and it just does not go well for him. It's um <laughs> I like to that sort of takes us up to the end of minute seventy nine, but I like at the end I like to go up over the uh differences between the screenplay and the novel and the and the film. Um, in the novel, it's pretty much the same, but it is it, they do confirm that Sark is indeed recognizing this program as Clue, but he's also wondering, uh, okay. he, he's also kind of wondering what's going on, because he is like, like he is, he's not like, oh, it's the user. He's kind of more like, who, who are you? Like he, he assumed that it was just some rando, a random person on the ship with Tron and Yori. Right. Uh-huh. So he's he thought it was like, I've definitely got Tron, I've definitely got Yori. We seem to have caught some mechanic or something as well. <laughs> some person who was just on the ship. And then he's like, Wait a second, but you're that guy I saw get derezzed by the MCP before. Like he doesn't recognize him as as Flynn. He recognizes him as uh as Clue. So a little confusing. Uh, okay, yeah. You yeah, know. yeah. Uh, but also when he says, uh, I saw you derezzed, uh, Flynn quips back, well, that's never stopped me before. So I'm not sure which one I like better, <laughs> but they're both, uh, they're both pretty good, I guess. And, uh, in the screenplay, it's pretty much the same, except that when Sark says, you died, I saw you, Flynn's retort is, uh, not me boss. To which Sark says, well, we can take care of that soon enough. I think I like what's in the actual movie better. You know, there's some some more flavor to it. Yeah, I think so. The the second one that was kind of it, it doesn't really scan. No, it doesn't really scan. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's never stopped me before. And uh, was that yeah, <laughs> or was the not not me <laughs> yeah. boss or was it doesn't yeah it doesn't quite work. So it's pretty cool. Do you have any other uh, any other notes on seventy nine? Um. No, no, I think that was the, it's mostly just in that little room. They're talking yeah. about, I've got some other stuff. For, it's the crash and then a little bit of talking. Yeah. Although um, I had a, a weird moment just before we came on. Yeah. Um, there's an Edinburgh artist called Livy Turner. Okay. And she, she does these kind of flat, distorted architectural pieces mm-hmm. and it, it reminded me a little bit of some of the outside shots in Tron when they've got the ground and it's it's kind of flat shaded or you've just got those kind of abrupt edges yeah and some of the angles are a bit weird and I was trying to remember her name um and I've got her on my Instagram or I thought I'd her on my Instagram so I had about 20 minutes of just raking through everyone I followed on Instagram trying to find her. <laughs> And uh, I must have unfollowed her at some point in the oh, last no. few days. Oh, dear. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't find it. And I thought it was like one of those, um, you know, the Nelson Mandela things where yeah. people think they remember that uh, he died in prison. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forget what they're called. But yeah, it was one of those. I was like, this, is this woman a real woman? Or have I just completely... Did I ha- yeah, did I have a dream about this artist? A dream yeah. that I What's followed her on? on Instagram, but it's a memory now? Yeah, it's a strange uh, it's a strange little moment. 
when that happens. Yeah, but yeah, Livy Turner, you should have a you can do a Google. Okay, well, I'll take a look. like Livy, like L I V I or what's that? Livy? Uh, well, I think uh, it's with a Y. Okay. I think her name's actually Olivia Turner, but it's oh, okay. by Olivia Turner. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, do you have uh, any sort of places online where people can find you if they want to check out more of your stuff? Uh, if you just uh, Google Doug Bus, mm-hmm. you'll find everything. Like D-U-G-B-U-S? Nice. What was the uh, what's the what's the origin of that name? I don't know if we ever talked about that. <laughs> I think it was uh, Gary Larson. Oh, okay. He had one of his um, cartoons was on the dog bus. Oh, okay. And it's just a bus with all the dogs and their heads are at the window. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good one. But if you say it in Scottish, it's the dog bus. Dog bus. I like. Uh, what was the one at the dog comedy film festival? So it's just a bunch of dogs in movie seats, but all their all their all their tails are wagging, which is uh, so that, that was pretty funny. Ah, uh, the Far Side. Everybody, yeah, to... everybody's got. Remember that Far Side? Yeah, we could talk for two hours about that. Well, I think the the, the most that ever made me laugh, I was standing in John Menzies, which uh, is a bookshop slash news agent thing. They're not really around anymore. Yeah, but it was the tenth anniversary collected edition and on the back there's a school photo and it just says underneath me at my school photo when i was eight or nine yeah and it's just a completely normal school photo and then in the middle there's one potato faced (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just looking at going trying to work it i was thinking i wonder which one of these is gary larson oh there he is potato face (laughs) (laughs) there he is yeah oh that's funny Okay, well, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com or drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Tron Minute by Minute listeners page. Uh, Shout out to pond5.com for the cool music at the beginning and the end. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. There's lots there right now. Uh, you should go check that out. If it isn't, consider doing one yourself. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community, in my experience. They've been great. Um, at the end of these, I like to do a little end of line on three. Do you want to do like a okay. little one, two, three, and then an end of line together? Try to do it in unison. Sure. Half half a world <laughs> well, away. The, cl- <laughs> the clap was miles away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see. All right. One. On three. On three. Uh, no, sorry. One, two, three, and then go. All right. Okay. One, two, three. End of line. Oh, that was pretty good. Actually.